Amen. What a, what a message in that song. I'd rather have Jesus. Amen. Well, I hope you've had a good day. It's a little cooler out there tonight than it uh, has been in a little while. And so, but that's because fall has, has come and it's here. And, uh, but uh, well, I, I called back home and uh, my daughter was putting all our plants inside the garage because I think it's going to get in the middle 20s tonight there. And so, uh, get, uh, you know, getting down there, for, uh, starting to kind of really feel like fall when that happens and getting there. What was it? Uh, one day last week, it was almost 90 degrees. And then uh, we saw a 20 something degree difference the very next day. And so, uh, but now Kentucky, where I'm from, the weather's like that all the time. We have a saying in Kentucky, if you don't like the weather, wait 30 minutes, it'll change. And that's kind of that way in the Ohio, but we're in between the, especially we are between the Ohio Valley and the Tennessee Valley. We're on a plateau. And when the weather comes, a lot of times it goes north or it goes south. It'll go toward Tennessee or it'll go up the river uh, toward Ohio and up that way. And so if we ever get a bad storm that heads straight in, well, we did. Last December, we did. And a tornado came through, man, and just devastated part of our town. Uh, like I've, I've never seen, I've not been where it had happened like that. And so, uh, but most of the time they'll, they'll go up the rivers to the north and to the south. But I love this, this kind of type of uh, time of year myself with the weather the way it is. Uh, take your uh, Bibles and you know, if you've been here, turn to Romans chapter 12 while I get my butterflies and all out here. Romans chapter 12. It's also... Uh, Good to see uh, John Woosley here. Uh, John, I've known since he was a young boy in junior camp many, many years ago. And so it's good to see him. His dad pastors in, in Kentucky and uh, good friends uh, with his dad and mom. And so in Romans chapter number 12, we're going to pick this up. Now, I, I got to tell you something tonight. Um, I kind of, you know, my daughter and my son-in-law is here, so I told my daughter uh, earlier today, um, this is the night where I'm going to take two messages and try my best to make them one. So don't worry, it won't be two total messages, but you're going to get them kind of, because this series is kind of a seven-message series. And so I, I, decide, I had to decide, now how am I going to work this in here? And so uh, uh, for the, from seven to eight, I'll preach uh, that first message, and then eight to nine, I'll, no, I'm just kidding, yeah, all right. <laughs> Don't, don't get excited. It, it, uh, it'll all blend in together, hopefully, here. But for the sake of those that are here, and, and, and maybe just to catch you up a little bit, I'm not going over everything, but we're talking about spiritual metamorphosis. In other words, where the Bible says, Romans 12, 1 and 2, if you'll follow along there, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Metamorpho is that word, metamorphosis, change by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And when we know the word metamorphosis, one of the uh, things we learn about that word is that's what happens. Now this is a 
a highly magnified egg, butterfly egg, okay? But it goes, there's four stages in a butterfly's life. There's when he comes from the egg, and then the larva stage, which is the caterpillar, and then there is the, the chrysalis stage where that transformation takes place, and then there's the butterfly stage. God wants us to be transformed. He wants us to be changed. And so we're using this to kind of see how uh, Paul, when he's writing to these Roman believers, is expecting us to change. The rest of chapter 12 deals with the changes that takes place in our life. Now remember, the Roman society was a wicked, I mean corrupt uh, society, perversion, all in that society. This group of Christians was having to deal with that. They were living in that time and in that area. Paul in chapter 1 reminds these believers, you're, you're saved, and, and at being saved, you got to understand that as a Christian, you have a responsibility. Paul said he was a debtor. To, uh, the, to, the, uh, uh, to the Greeks, to the barbarians, to the wise, to the unwise. In other words, what did he owe them? Well, he owed it to them to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I, I'm ready to preach. And, and I'm going to tell you something. That's what we need to be. We live in a wicked society today. We live in a day when we're, we, we, it's seemingly, we sometimes say, how can it get any worse? How, how much further could it go? Right. But I'm telling you, we're not the first group of Christians to have to deal with this. Right, right. And as a result, we see that. And so, but God has a job for us. Amen. If he didn't, you know what he'd do? He'd save us and take us right out of here to heaven. But we're left here so we can be used by him to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, understand that what we've been trying to see in Romans chapter 12, it starts with that new birth of being saved, that, 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 that hatching stage, that birth stage, life coming, and then it's that growing stage you know what the caterpillar does, amen? What's his number one function? Eat, eat. You know why? Because he's looking forward to the growth and the transformation that's going to take place, and it's going to require food. And so as a result, he gets in there. That's why it's so important when a person gets saved, they get in the house of God, they get in the Word of God. Right. Because that's the only way you're going to grow. You can't grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ without the Word of God. And, and so you need a heavenly diet, and you need feed. And so as a result, you just feed. You keep feeding. And, and, and why? Because, listen, you need it to grow on. And, and one of the first things you need to do as a babe in Christ is grow. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And so as a result, we need that to, to eat. And you see, a lot of people, they, they, they well, they, they just don't get in the word of God like they ought to. True. And the problem is their growth has done it. Right. Now, this caterpillar, he's not only eating, but as he eats, he's growing. And because of that growth, he's shedding as he goes. Remember, uh, up to five times, he's going to shed that outer skin, get rid of it. Why? Because he doesn't need it anymore. He's grown out of it. 
And so that's it. Can I tell you? As we grow in the Lord and in His Word, we should be shedding some things of the past that we no longer need. Amen? And that shows growth and taking place. And another thing that's happening is, is he's getting closer and closer to the chrysalis stage. All right? And so we find here that the Bible told us, as we looked in there, that we are to present our bodies, we are to present our minds, and we're to present our wills to the Lord so we can experience that growth. Okay? So keep that in mind. Now, we looked uh, last night, and we saw that we're reminded again by Paul when this growth is taking place, we're coming to that place of recognizing, number one, we, not, we ought to think of ourselves more highly than we all. We, we don't need a self-centered way of thinking. We need to realize that, hey, now as a Christian, we're part of a body. And every one of us has a function. And we talked about that last night. In this caterpillar, uh, hey, is everything that's needed for the transformation that's going to take place. And But understand this, there's, there's parts in here, in here that won't be seen to here because of the transformation, because of the change. But we're to function as a body, as a church, and everybody is important. Amen. Everybody's got a job. Amen? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All those parts in our body that doctors for years, like the appendix and the tonsils, said wasn't necessary, now medicine says they are necessary. Huh. Amen. Yeah. And so as a result, we find out. And there's some parts that people never talk about, <laughs> like nose hairs. Nobody spends a lot of time grooming them. And so as a result, nobody's taking about, I think, nobody's thinking about uh, certain, nobody's going around here complimenting big toes. But they're essential. They're a part of us. You know what? Sometimes it's amazing to me how Christians can get kind of tied up in their self to the point that if they're not getting recognition, they forget, look, I've got a job to do whether I'm recognized or not for the Lord. Because the Lord will recognize you, and he takes notice of everything we do. And so, uh, I'm not going to go back and preach that, but I'm just getting us to, to this part. Look in uh, verse number uh, 5. He says this, So we being many are, or excuse me, verse 6, I'm sorry, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time because this is a message within itself, but God gives every one of us gifts in order to serve him. He gives us the ability to do certain things. You know what? Every child of God, as you grow and as you get in the Word of God and in the house of God, 
the Holy Spirit is going to show you some areas of your life that God has gifted you with in order that you can be a blessing to others and also a big help in serving the Lord and doing His will in your life because you've got a gift. He mentioned some of those. I'm not going to take time to go over them individually except to say whatever God has given you, you use it for Him. You use it for His honor and His glory. I do want to say this. Many times God gives people gifts and they end up using them for personal gain or they end up using them for personal attention. I'll give you one example and I'll move on. I don't know how many times Hollywood has singers or wherever, what type of singing it is, show business. And you know where many of them started at? Started singing in church. But you know what happened? All of a sudden, somebody said, you're good. Somebody said, man, you can make a name. Somebody said, you, hey, you can make money doing that. And the next thing you know, that ability or that talent, they take it the wrong direction. And they use it for the wrong things. And I'm telling you, it is sad, the number of lives that have been destroyed because of a talent they had that they would not use for God. And I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing. When God gives you a gift, I, the, the illustration, I, I, you know, I don't know if it's a gift or not. He gave me ability. But when I was, before I ever went into ministry, I was a Christian, newly saved, working a job. And they came to me one day and they said to me, uh, can you use a spray gun? And I said to the superintendent, uh, I've never used one. And he said, uh, well, he said, we got to open it. I was making $2.20 an hour as a, as a common laborer at that mill. And he said, we got an opening upstairs. We need a guy that can use a spray gun. It pays $4 and a quarter an hour, and we'll train you. I said, well, I've never used one, but I've always wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> and so they trained me, and I got the job. Well, God began to work in my heart about full-time ministry. And a couple of years later from that, I, I, I left the job and went into our home church and went on staff in a full-time capacity. And when I did, the pastor came to me and he said to me, oh, wait a minute, hold on, let me, let me back up. I, I had not gone in a full-time capacity at that time. We were in church and we was getting involved in church, taking part and getting active in church before I surrendered, and the pastor came to me, and he said, uh, hey, Brother Decker, he says, uh, uh, I, uh, what, what exactly do you do at your job? And I said, well, I use a spray gun, and I finish uh, uh, doors and cabinets and using a spray gun. And he said, glory to God. And I said, over a spray gun? <laughs> and he said, no, you don't understand. We just bought a couple of buses. And he said, you, we can't run them, school bus yellow here in Louisville, Kentucky. And we bought the paint. We've got the spray gun. We've got everything needed out there. But we've been praying somebody that would come along and use a spray gun. You know what? I never knew that when they come down there that day and said, hey, you, you want to learn how to use a spray gun? God said, I'm preparing you for a job that you're going to do for me one day. That's how the Lord works. Amen. Praise God for it. Now, that's, that message is done. See, I got it done quicker than I. Don't plan on the second one being that way, all right? Okay. 
Now, in verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, and honor preferring one another. Not softened in business, fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Now, here we go. Here comes the caterpillar. He's getting ready to, for the chrysalis. Now, as this caterpillar comes to this stage in his life, going in here, what's happening is, Already, I told you, already inwardly changes are taking place inside. You can't see them. Still looks like a caterpillar. But inside, he's dying to self. Inside, parts of him are dissolving and going. He doesn't need them any longer. Why? Because he's looking forward to what he's going to be. And so he doesn't need those parts because his goal is, I'm not going to stay a caterpillar. I, that's just a temporal thing until I can be transformed and changed. And so as a result, this inward change is taking place in this caterpillar, and you can't see it. Did you know what? Even before he gets into chrysalis, some of the, uh, uh, some of the butterfly's parts are already starting to be uh, composed inside of him. But first, he's got to die to self. And then, inside of him, because of the maturity, that juvenile cell that's in there, all of a sudden, it, it, it triggers and says, hey, you're, you've been in this stage long enough. It's time to move on. You know, the Bible tells us about those that, 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 that he says they, they should be teachers and they, they should be, but, but yet they're, they're back still over here on the milk when they should have proceeded on to the meat. And now here this caterpillar, he, he's, he's, he's triggered inside to say, you've got to move on to the next stage. And so he's getting ready. Now understand, especially in a monarch that we're talking about mainly here, the chrysalis is in the caterpillar. It's underneath this outer layer, the last outer layer that he sheds, okay? That's just there. And, and inwardly, he's already dying to self. The caterpillar is getting ready to go in order that he can be changed. And so the transformation can take place. And so the caterpillar is. Then what he does is, is he goes and finds a limb or some type of uh, place from a tree, and he hangs, and he attaches himself. And then this chrysalis emerges as the outer layer comes away. It gets hard. It's a protective casing. In other words, for this transformation, he needs to separate himself. <laughs> 
Hey, you know what? Hey, his world inwardly, he's already changing inwardly, but I'm going to tell you what, he's getting ready to change outwardly, and part of that change outwardly is for us as Christians is to start pulling away from the world and draw closer to the Lord. And as a result, we start dying, as Paul said. He's crucified with Christ. I die daily. What he's saying is, why? So Christ can live in me. And people can see Christ living in me. And so what's happening here is he goes into this chrysalis, and when he's in this, in this chrysalis now, hey, he's separated, so to speak, from all the outer surrounding. Why? Because there's an important happening going on inside. Now, let me tell you about this. That caterpillar is not resting in there. No, no, no. He's not resting. There's a work going on in there. I mean, an important work. Number one, you know why he's been eating all this time over here? Because now all he's doing is meditating. You say meditating? Yeah, well, that's what meditate means to mull over. What he's eating, he's using it. Right. Yeah, it's helping this transformation take place. <laughs> Are you with me? Are you understanding? Hey, listen. Hey, uh, uh, the Lord told, uh, he was given, Joshua was given instruction there that he was to meditate on the word of God day and night, not depart to the left or the right. Meditate. The psalmist over and over again tells us to meditate on the word. Why? We get the word of God in our heart and then we need just to meditate on it and think about it. And I'm going to tell you what, it's the word of God that does the changing. It's the word of God that does the transforming. And the we let it do its work in our heart. Remember I told you the thing this was, Lord, work on me, work in me, so you can work through me. Amen. And so the only way you can do that is, hey, we got to let him have his will in our life. Right. So, so he's hanging upside down. Changes are taking place in here, and, and the change is going on. Let me tell you what's happening. The caterpillar is just disappearing inside. Now the parts are still there, the cells are still there, but the caterpillar himself as a caterpillar is totally being changed. Totally being changed. And it's because of what's happened on the inside. It's because of what he has eaten is doing its job now. And as a result, he's, that change has started. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen. It's not only going to be a change as far as appearance on the outside, but I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be a total change in how this caterpillar lives. He's going to have a different attitude. When he comes out of the chrysalis, he's going to have a different attitude than he did going in. Do you know what? Part of the transformation for you and I as Christians is a change of attitude. A change of our perspective. <laughs> What's the caterpillar? What's he used to seeing? Just the earthly. He's not seeing anything. That's just the earthly. He can't, he can't go anywhere. And where he does go, it's very slowly. Yeah. 
What's the perspective of the butterfly? Oh, it's heavenly. It's above. Amen. Hey, hey, and, and, but, but more than that, what takes place from here to here? Paul says, look, if you're transformed, there's going to be some changes in your life as a Christian, but it's going to start inwardly, and then you're, you're going to see it outwardly. And so he gives us a list of those, and that's what I want us to look to uh, look at. Very, try to look at it very briefly tonight as we look through. The first thing he says here is the matter of let love be without dissimulation. He said you're going to be genuine in your love. This transformation is going to make you real. I mean, in the way you love others, it's not just word love. It comes from the heart because here's what he says. He says, let it be without dissimulation. That means without hypocrisy. That means not something we say, but we don't really feel. It means, hey, we're going to, others are going to see our love for that. The, the world out here, hey, we can say we love them, but what they need to see is how much we love them. Amen. Somebody said, uh, uh, they don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. That's true. That's more important. And having a real, genuine love in the sense for their souls. We don't love their actions. Paul said you cannot emulate the Romans. Don't do as the Romans do when you're in Rome. That's right. But be different because they need to see what happens when somebody trusts Jesus Christ. So let your love be real. Love and, and as Christ loves. Let that, that, that uh, agape love come through in your life. And so he says love here. This love we're talking about here, though, how important it is that, that we be real and we be genuine. Then look what he says. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. So here's what he's saying. In this transformation, you're going to come to the place that you're going to see how horrible evil is. But he didn't just say, hate it, don't like it. He used one of the strongest words there is, abhor it. Right. I mean, hey, don't just get to the place that you overlook it. Right. You see, it's very easy for you and I as Christians to come, become complacent and forget what evil does. It destroys. It's it's a killer, and 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 so he, he, Paul's saying this. He's saying, look. He said, abhor that which is evil. Develop a hatred. I mean, a, a hatred inside that. Look, you understand and you recognize it enough that you're going to avoid it and stay away from it. The world likes to make evil funny. They might they try to make evil look like it's fun. Sin has its pleasure for a season, but then the destruction takes place. And so he's saying here, abhor that which is evil. Secondly, though, then he says in the same, same uh, verse there, cleave to that which is good. Very simple here. I'm just trying to tell you the Bible's what says it here, but Paul is trying to say in this transformation, there's going to be a total change in the way you look at things. And so as a result, he's saying uh, you, you hate that which is evil and which causes so much destruction and problem, but cleave Amen. 
That word cleave there, it means strongly adhere to. It's like using super glue. He said, stick yourself on that which is good and just stay with it. Don't let it go. Follow it around. Cleave to it. You see, we live in a world now that likes to call bad good. Yeah. And good evil. That's the time we live in. And as a result, we need to make sure, hey, listen, we know what's good. God is good. Amen. And we need to recognize those things that are good and not be ashamed to live by those things which are good and stay close to them, follow after them, cleave to them, and then avoid evil. Stay away from evil. Don't, don't play around with it. Don't, don't, uh, don't just say, well, it, it, it's not, I, I, that's not going to bother me. It will bother you. Let me move on. He said, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, a brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. This is talking about our attitude toward one another. He said, love each other with a brotherly love. We're back to church family again. Amen. We're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. And this is talking about a family relationship is what it's talking about right here. Yeah, it's talking about that closeness of having that family, tender affection and caring one for another and loving the brethren. And then the word preferring means, hey, to, to go on before and to lead or set an example for in the sense also of honoring or esteeming them of great value. You know what? We need each other. And you know what? We need to see the people of God as God's family. And we as a part of God's family have a responsibility to love one another. Hey, that's one of the ways we show that we belong to him is by our love one for another. And our care. You know, thank God for a church family that loves one another and enjoys being together. But sometimes church families run into problems. I heard a story about a guy who was at a boxing match. He's sitting in a boxing match, and the guy next to him is sitting there, and, and this, this, this fighter in the ring just hauls off and hits this guy and knocks him down. And this guy says, Hey, man, what fellowship? And uh, they go back and start watching the fight again. And this guy hauls off and knocks that guy down. And this guy says, amen, what fellowship? Does that a couple of times. And finally this guy over here says, what in the world is wrong with you, mister? He said, every time somebody hits somebody over and knocks them down, you're saying, amen, what fellowship? What's that mean? He said, well, I belong to a Baptist church down the street down here. And every time we do that, we call it fellowship. That's not the way it's supposed to be, amen. And so as a result, hey, we come together in love, caring about one another, he's saying, preferring one another and being a help to one another. That's what he's talking about. Again, I'll repeat the statement. I think it was last night. I mean, I don't know what people do without a church family. I thank God for my church family. 
Amen. And I thank God for my brothers and sisters in Christ that the Lord has allowed us to become, uh, to know in the ministry and that. But hey, I'm thankful for God's people and what they do. Now look, let me move on. I said I'm going to get through this and I'm trying my best. Verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Here's this change. He says here, not sloth, hey, not wasteful of time. Not wasting time. Using it. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Paul, excuse me, wrote to the church at Ephesus. Redeeming the time. Using it wisely. But I'm going to tell you what. Time don't slow down for anybody. It's moving. I'd say this to you that are younger in here. You may think, look, oh me, I got all kinds of time. <laughs> you'll snap your finger and turn around three times and you'll wonder where did it go. Amen. It goes by. Let's use it wisely. Redeem it. You know what redeem it means? It means turn it in for something of more value. That's what it means. One of the best ways to redeem it is redeem it for the Lord. Amen. Use it for him. I learned what redeem meant when I was a kid. My mama collected top value stamps and green stamps. Anybody here know what they are? Redemption stamps? Go to the grocery or go get gas, and they give you these yellow stamps and these green stamps. My job as a kid was to lick them and put them in the book. Man, those things tasted horrible, but I, I'd lick a page full of them and stick them on there. And my mom said this, now, if you'll do that when we go to the store and I get what I want, whatever books are left over, you can have them and get you a toy or whatever you want that that's there. So I licked those stamps in hopes that she wouldn't use all the books. But the whole point of redemption stamps was then you take a certain number into that store and you redeem them. And you walk out of there with something of value more than a stamp. Amen. You know what? God says we need to redeem our time like that. Use it wisely and use it for something of value. And so it's very important. He said, uh, that's what he's talking about, about being in business, fervent. And, excuse me, uh, in uh, verse number 11, they're not slothful or lazy in business or lazy with your time. Don't be lazy. You be resourceful. Use your time. Fervent in spirit. And then he says how? Serving the Lord. Fervent. You know whatever we to do? Can I tell you something? This old caterpillar, he was only fervent in one thing when his caterpillar eaten. But that fervency still comes through with a when he's a butterfly because he has a mission. I can't get ahead of myself again. I'll go on to the mission of the butterfly. He's got a purpose. Oh, he's got, he's got a long flight ahead, <laughs> possibly. But anyway, hey, we, we need to be fervent at what we do. Have our heart in it and work at it and do it with all our heart. If we could get Christians to be as fervent as the world is at whatever they do, well, what we could see done for Christ. Now, I'm not against sports, but let me tell you something. Every time I look at one of them big arenas field, for a football game, basketball game, baseball game, or whatever. Right. I can't help but one thought go through my mind. What if somebody could get out there in the middle of that stadium and tell all them people about Jesus Christ? 
would they be there? <laughs> would they come for that purpose as much as they would to watch that ball game? You see, wouldn't it be great if we'd have that in the house of God? You know, hey, we don't even charge a hundred and something dollars a ticket. Yeah. I don't reckon y'all do, do you? Yeah, 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 yeah. No. But wouldn't it, be, <laughs> wouldn't it be thrilling if next Sunday, Brother Johnson, you pulled up and the line was already out across the street out there and curled down through there, and they're just waiting for the door to get open. Well, I mean, that's what they do in all those other activities of the world. Wouldn't it be great if those who say they're saved would, would be out there waiting to get in on Sunday morning? That's what he's talking about, fervent. Fervent in spirit. Doing it. And I'm going to tell you why that's part of the transformation. That's part of the change. Seeing and having a different perspective than just an earthly perspective. Rejoicing in hope, he said. Patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And I'm trying to pick these up in her. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Now, hey, you know what? Rejoicing in hope. Well, how's, how's he going to rejoice in hope? Because the caterpillar's looking forward to what's going to happen. He's looking forward to this. Whew. The hope, you know who our hope is? Amen. Our hope is the coming of Jesus Christ. We're looking forward to that, that hope that we have, that's steadfast and sure. And I'm going to tell you what, whatever affliction, whatever we go through here, we got to keep our eyes on what's ahead for us. And remember, hey, whatever happens down here to us is the worst that's ever going to take place. All we have that's coming as Christians is better, much better. Hope. He said, rejoicing in hope and, and, and being patient in those afflictions. Why? Because of the fact of what we're looking forward to, what we're hoping for. And that hope will be a reality. You see, he says here, uh, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, and then continuing instant in prayer. For us, it's continually praying, praying to the one who can help us. One that can get us through this process of transformation and change. Only by his power can it take place. And then he said, distributing to the necessity of saints and given to hospitality. You know what? We go from a selfish perspective to a perspective that is heavenly. And man, I'm going to tell you something. Changes the whole viewpoint. We go from thinking about us to what we can do for others. How can we help others? That's what he's talking about. Distributing to other Christians, helping uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. But then he goes on and says, giving to hospitality. That's talking about strangers. That's, you know, when they traveled back in those days, they didn't have hotels and motels. Christians would take in traveling people and they would be hospitable. In other words, helping them out as they go along the way. That's what they would do. And being hospitable means being kind and realizing that out there is a world that needs somebody, somebody to show them what it means to be saved and as a Christian, caring about others. 
You know, I have this thought in my mind. The Bible tells us that sometimes when we entertain strangers, we entertain angels unaware. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. I, I keep that in my mind. I try to. Uh, if I can just share a quick testimony, I, I'll tell you what happened in Louisville, Kentucky. I was preaching revival to church, and I, I was preaching about being kind and considering other people and helping other people. That, that was the theme of this, uh, of this meeting I was in. And so the next day I was out in Louisville getting gas. I had to pull into a gas station and get some gas. And I'm, I'm there and I'm pumping the gas. And I look up and here comes this guy, an older man, white haired, and he's, uh, he, he's walking toward me. He's got like a trench coat on. And he comes over and he goes over to the pumps on the other side. And then he comes to me and he says, sir, uh, do you have any change? Well, I didn't. And I said, no, matter of fact, I don't. I said, uh, I, I put it in the kids had an offering there at that church. And he said, oh, okay, I need a, I need a quarter for the bus. And so he walked away. And somehow inside of me, I don't know, I just felt like, man, I should have done something. And that, that man went up to the gas station and, and stood at the end of the gas station, never said any more, and he turned around and he looked at me. And his eyes locked with my eyes. And I got to tell you something, folks. I don't know what it was, but just something inside of me melted. Man, he, he, he never said a word, just looked at me. And you know what happened? I remember what I said the night before. What I'd preached. And here he comes back. And he's, he's not coming to me, but he's coming right by the pumps on the other side. And I reached, Denise was in the car. I said, Denise, you got a dollar? I said, this man needs, I think it was a quarter of 50 cents. I came, what? what? 50 cents. I said, you, you, got, you got a dollar? And she said, yeah, I got a dollar. She said, give it to me. And so, he was just not going to say a word. He was walking back by. I said, sir, come here a minute. I did not lie to you. I don't have any change. But I said, here's a dollar. I got it from my wife in there. And I said, here, this will pay for your tip. I give it to you in the name of Jesus. And I said, so, and he looked at me and he said, God will bless you for this. And he walked over to the bus. There's a bus stop just behind us. Nothing there, no buildings, anything. It was right at the side of the road in the bus stop. And there was a couple of people standing there. And that guy stepped up behind him. And I was pumping my gas. Bus pulled up. I turned around to see him get on that bus. And I watched those two people get on that bus. And that man was nowhere around. <laughs> you say, who do you think? I don't know. But I'll tell you what I did think. If there is a time that you could ever entertain angels, angels unaware, I, I might have. I don't know. I'm not telling you I did, but I'll tell you what it did. It reminded me, Joe Decker, you better practice what you preach. You're supposed to be a testimony for Jesus Christ. Care about other people. Now, I'm not talking about, you, you understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about when, when we need to be hospitable and kind. And, and, and not, I'm not talking about people out to take advantage of somebody, but I'm talking about a real need and caring and not getting hard.
And so we find here that he says hospitable uh, with uh, those that are there, he says, uh, given to hospitality. Verse 14, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Well, this is a hard one. But if I recall, I think, uh, I think that was in the Beatitudes. Yeah. One of the hardest things to do is bless them that curse you. Yeah. But that's what we're told. You know what? That's not natural. No, because it takes a transformation. It takes a change in perspective. It takes a change in attitude to be able to do that. He said not only that, but he said then, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. In other words, he's saying here, look, we need to be willing to give of ourselves. We need to be willing to uh, help others. We need to be willing to recognize the needs of others. And we need to not trust in our own abilities or not in our own conceit about our skills and what we can do, but realize, as Paul said, I can do all things, not through Joe Decker's strength, not through what I can uh, do uh, in my mind or in my abilities, but I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That thought comes about when the transformation takes place. We quit thinking about what we can do and think about what he can do. Did you know what? In that chrysalis, a miracle happens. I mean, this, this thing here goes in there and comes out something beautiful. Something beautiful. And, and totally a different lifestyle when he comes out. I'm talking about, hey, look, he, he's not like this. He doesn't eat leaves. He, he doesn't, he's not earthbound. I'm telling you, everything about this butterfly has changed from this caterpillar. That's what metamorphosis is. That's what transformation is that he's talking about in Romans 12 and, and verse number 2 there when we see that. This transformation affects every part of our being, inward first and outward as we allow God to bring out that which that is within every believer. It can only be realized, though, as we allow the Spirit of God to work in us and on us that he might work through us. You see, because it takes that change. So here we go. Egg, caterpillar, chrysalis. Encase yourself in the local church. Feed yourself on the Word of God. Meditate on it daily. Allow it to do the work on the inside. Because that's the only way you're going to change on the outside. You see, you can't change the outside and hope to change the inside. It won't work. It's like a fellow I heard about. <laughs> he went and got him a pet skunk. His friend came over and said to him, uh, what are you going to do with this? Oh, he said, it's my pet. He said, a skunk? He said, yeah. He said, don't worry about it. He said, I'm going to get me some black shoe polish. 
and I'm going to polish the white stripe down his back. And then he said, I, I'm going to take you and I'm going to get a, 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 some perfume. And, and I'm just going to, I'm going to put perfume all over his fur. And then I'm going to go buy a little collar with a bell on it and put it around his neck. And I'm going to call him Kitty. And folks will just think he's a cat because I'm, I'm just going to change him. And the friend looked at him and said, hmm, sounds good. But he said, let me just warn you. The first time you scare that thing, you're going to find out he's still a skunk on the inside. <laughs> Amen. That outward change that's going to mean the most is going to come from something changing inside first. And then it'll be a lasting change because it's from the inside out. And that's what exactly metamorphosis, that's what the chrysalis is there for. You can't see it, but while he's in the chrysalis, those beautiful wings start forming. They're all rolled up. He has antenna that he doesn't have here. And those antenna grow out. He, uh, in, inwardly, there's, hey, that mouth that used to crunch and eat them leaves like crazy, it's converted into, an out, uh, into a mouth that can only suck nectar. That's it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good if we as Christians... Hey, when we're metamorphosis takes place, our mouths were changed. Instead of that which crunches and eats on everything and destroys, it becomes that which is just a sweet mouth and nectar. Amen. Chrysalis. It's happening. He's getting ready to come out. Getting ready to emerge. Oh, by the way, that won't happen real easy. It's, it's, it's going to be somewhat of a struggle in the very last stages of him getting to that place. Because can I tell you something? There's always a struggle involved, usually, in trying to do what God wants us to do. But eventually it makes us stronger and able to deal with situations in our life. Here's the question tonight. If you're here and you've not been saved, you need life. Can't grow until you have life. You need to be saved. And we can tell you how tonight. You can know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you can start really living. Because a person is dead in trespass and sin, the Bible says, until they trust Christ. Then you start to grow. You start to grow. Feed on the Word of God. Maybe you're in here and you're saved, but you've just not been in church like you ought to. Or maybe you've not been feeding on the Word of God, reading, studying, hearing it preached and taught, and, and, and you need to get in the Word of God, need to get in the house of God. That's part of growth. You say, I, I want that everything God has in store for me. Well, then listen to the Lord and listen to His Word. Yield Him your body, yield Him your mind, and yield Him your will. That's what we, just, we saw in here. And then, well, maybe you say, look, I, I'm saved. I love the Lord. And, but how much has your life changed? How different are you? 
than when you got saved. Still got some things in your life that should have been shed. No better time than now to get rid of them. You got some things in your life that, hey, it pertains to the world, and those things that are past, turn loose of them. Let them go. Why? Because God's got better things in store for you. He wants you to know that abundant life. He wants you to have the blessings of God. But will you yield and submit and allow him to have your life? Let's bow our heads.